Hey man, what's your favorite Joe bro? Mine's Okuyasu. He's so funny and, and strong. Dude, you're so wrong, man. It's Gyro. Gyro's the best Joe bro. Pizza mozzarella? I, I, I swear, dude. You're just trying to be a manga elitist again. <laughs> I'm sorry you can't keep, keep up, you anime-only plebeian. Hey, guys. Huh? Hey, guys. Uh, we were just talking about who our favorite Joe bro is. Oh. Who's yours? Oh, Fugo. What? You know, Fugo? Purple, purple haze? Part five? We're going to need you to pull a Fugo and leave the group immediately and never return. And I thought anime-onlys were bad. <sighs> no dignity. Hear ye, hear ye, all are assembled to the No Dignity Podcast first session of Character Court. I am your presiding judge, Chris Ng, and with me is the prosecution, uh, Alexander Alex Vargas. Alex Vargas. It's actually Alejandro. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. I knew that. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> so today is a very special episode where we are going to... Put a character on trial for their actions in their part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And today is perhaps one of the most heated characters throughout all of JoJo. Panacotta Fugo. Panacotta Fugo. What's more to say about the guy? He left. So the question we pose here today in Character Court is, should Panacotta Fugo be stripped of his status as a Joe bro if he ever had it at all? For the prosecution, of course, it's going to be Alex. Yes. And uh, I will serve as defense because no matter where I look, I seem to be the only one who thinks Fugo's not so bad. I'm going to tear him a new hole in his suit, oh. that is. Oh, okay. Let This is court. Let's be a little civil here. Okay? He wears Let's a, he wears a suit decorum. with holes in it. I'm not making any kind of reference. I'm just saying his, his suit's going to have another hole in it. All right. Well. All right. So I, uh, before before we begin the trial, uh, let us define who who we believe is the epitome of all Joe Bros. Okay, okay. Well, uh, who I believe to be the epitome of all Joe Bros is uh, Brokuyasu, or is he's better known Okuyasu? Strong choice, strong choice. I believe he's the best Joe Bro, uh, undeniably, indisputably. Um, for me, I think I will be measuring the, the measure of a Joe Bro compared to Speedwagon who literally dedicated his entire life to helping the Joestar family. That is very honorable. So now that we have calibrated what it means to be a good Joe bro, either Okuyasu or Speedwagon, uh, <laughs> prosecution, you, na- you may begin. Uh, you will deliver your point, and then uh, I will have a brief moment to try to deliver a counterpoint, and then we will switch sides and do it all again. All right. Uh, I have prepared a list of uh, things that I believe that Panacota Fugo is, is very guilty of. And the first one is having a, uh, a yee-yee-ass suit. <laughs> okay, continue. Um, even for JoJo standards, his suit is kind of like, okay, you're just going to go ahead and wear that? You know, at the very least, Mista is only showing some midriff, right? Abakio's kind of got, like, the chest thing going on. You know, <laughs> Giorno, Abakio, and Bruno all got the chest thing going on. Narancia's got his whole uh, dude looked like a lady kind of thing. Aerosmith reference going on. What's a Fugo? His suit, it looks like he pulled a purple haze on his own suit, right? Like, it's just, it's like it disintegrated. Uh, What's up with that? Hmm. 
This one's tricky. Um, I mean, look, on the one hand, Italy can get really warm, but if he wants to keep his style going, those those holes are good ventilation. That, uh, you know, those I, I'm also led to believe that this suit is just the same suit he's been wearing for years, considering that in a flashback, we saw him wearing a suit very similar to that. A different color, but had the coal, the holes like almost pre-cut out, like they were circled out. So I, ass- yeah. I assume Fugo, even after joining the the mob, was just real cheap with his money, and he refuses to buy a new suit. <laughs> I mean, ob- objection! You can't, you can't prove that. You said it yourself. It's a different color. <laughs> it's green. All right. Okay. For all we know, that we can assume that's mold. Ugh. All right, I don't really have a good defense for his outfit. It is pretty lame. May I also uh, add that officially, Araki says that Fugo wears a thong underneath. Oh, Araki, I don't. We don't need every character detail, do we? He's gonna pull J.K. Rowling on us. All right. Ugh. Yes, Fugo does right. indeed wear a thong underneath that suit. Let that sink in, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, everyone else. All right. Next point. All right. Uh, number two. Uh, he uh. Pre- he predicted Narancha's death and did nothing. Okay, now I'm curious. What do you mean by that? Okay, well, you know how uh, you know how Fugo forked him the first time we saw him? Oh, <laughs> no. No. He, was, he knew wholeheartedly doing that, that Narancha was going to get forked again. Uh, and he did not do a thing. Okay, now listen. There's no possible way he could have foreseen that. That just happens to be some dramatic irony created by the reader. I can't not allow Fugo to be held responsible for that. I hold Fugo to full responsibility. All right. We all know Narancha's a little slow. We all know he shouldn't be around things with spikes. All right. But he had no way of knowing that Fugo over here openly stabbed him in, in our first in the first time we saw him for getting a basic math question wrong. All right, continue. All right, leading into that, he also has very major anger issues. This doesn't necessarily have to be a, a death knell for a Jobro, but dude gets like mad, mad. Dude stabs his own friends. <laughs> he literally had, he literally had a. Not only that, Narancia is his elder. Narancia is one year older than Fugo. He stabbed his elders in the face with a fork, and then got a knife. He got a knife uh, up to his throat, and he was just like. You know what? I'm, I don't. I don't forgive you. I don't. I don't care. Okay. I mean, I have a whole thing about his anger later, so I will hold my defense of his anger for now. But I will point out what you've already pointed out that uh, many JoJo's and Joe Bros have, uh, you know, similar character flaws. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that by itself isn't necessarily dooming him to be forbidden from being a Joe Bro. I mean, Koichi is uh, hesitant and unsure, and Okuyasu's dumb. Um, you know, uh, Caesar, super arrogant. Gyro singing just outshines everyone else. I mean, there's just, there's just, you know, the Joe Bros have their own issues going on, and that's okay. Cool. Uh, you know, Polnareff is perhaps one of the most like conflicted and immature and, you know, bullheaded characters in all of part three. So, you know, I don't think his anger disqualifies him immediately. Mm-hmm. You see, I understand that, but there's also a few things. Uh, that I, I also have to bring about Fugo, all right? He's got a few character flaws. We're not just talking about the basic ones of anger. Well, let's bring up the idea that Fugo is also a pervert. Coerced, oh 
coerced by Mista to look down Trish's uh, top. Uh, I object to that. That was completely accidental. Uh, it was Mista who reframed that scenario. He, it was obviously just a result of the breaking. Um, and we we could hear Fugo's thoughts clearly. He was just trying to be empathetic towards Trish. I thought that was a very humanizing moment for Fugo. Then why was he leaning in? I mean, that was a weird van. <laughs> I was watching that clip earlier, and I'm like, why is this van this shape? Like, I don't understand it at all. All right, so uh, blame the mangaka? Wow. I blame Mista <laughs> for turning it into something that it wasn't. You know, I can't disagree with you entirely on that point, but Fugo should have, uh, you should have, uh, exercise some self-control yeah there you go um all right also let's let's not forget that his name literally means dismissing in italian fugo fugo means like dismissing yes it means dismissing i just found that out in the jojo wiki oh well <laughs> see his name is even foreshadowing okay okay but then uh, uh i mean what's in a name really Oh, just, you know, the idea that he's never going to do anything important. I mean, like, most of the other names don't really... I mean, Ambakio isn't a, a lamb. Narancia isn't actually an orange. Like, you know. Sure. Sure. But none of them basically say I'm leaving in their name. <laughs> okay. Fair point. Strong point. Good. All right. All right. Also, his hair changes between the anime and the manga. What other JoJo character has that happen to them? Like, all of them. Well, uh, as significantly. Like, all of them. <laughs> all right, all right. That's a, what, what kind of a point is this? All right, that's Are a fair... you arg arguing about color schemes? Because color schemes <laughs> is perhaps the weakest argument you can make about any JoJo thing. Because I don't even think the concept of canon colors exists for a No, they don't exist. Thus far, I have to take a few points off of my list. Thanks. <laughs> all right. He was Trish's potential love interest and just left her hanging right there. Hmm. When I when I was reading through the manga, I legitimately thought that Fugo uh, would have been Trish's love interest. She does like seem to be into him, right? It's like, take off your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> like you could have literal. She could have literally asked anybody, but she's like, nah, that one. Yeah. Not only that, Fugo's only what one year older than her. Then what? Later on, we get a, a few moments between uh, Mista and uh, Trish. You see, if Fugo, if Fugo were there, he would be able to separate this 20-year-old and this 15-year-old. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, that, that would be kind of an interesting pairing to sure. see the calm and collected. Well, I don't know. I think they've been kind of too boring with each other, though. Be too boring? Yeah. I mean, when we did our uh, superlative episode, I said that, like, Trish and Mista is a good combo because, like, he's boisterous and loud and kind of, you know, kind of obnoxious. And she's like subdued and controlled and like they kind of need each other whereas like fugo is already subdued and controlled they don't they're not gonna build off of each other in a more interesting way i think they're just gonna be more of the same with each other i mean i i can't exactly disagree on that point either i'm not saying that mista and trish don't work well together i'm just mm. saying that fugo should have been there to stop this grown man from uh <laughs> interacting like that with a 15 year old I get, yeah I, well that's a fair point but i also I also kind of see perhaps if Trish had been given a little bit more, more, I mean, and this, this sucks because it was written in the nineties and there was only one girl character and she was like, okay. <laughs> but you know, if she had been given like the more nurturing stereotype rather than the sort of like useless stereotype, um, it could have been interesting to see her help him through his rage, I guess. Yeah. 
I see that. I see that. So she, her stereotype was just muda, which I guess fits. Yeah, I actually think there's more to there's a little bit more to Trish than than I think people give her credit for. But I don't want to blow that because I have a big presentation for my primary defense later. So okay, okay, I should get ready. <clears throat> um, eleven. He dines and dashes. Oof. Now that is a prime example of no dignity. Yeah, Fugo really dines and dashes. No dignity Fug- at all. No, he got caught. He's not even good at dining and dashing. Well, I was gonna say Jotaro does dine and dash. Well, <laughs> Jotaro dines and, dines and dashes, but he doesn't even eat it. That's uh, that's fairly true. He sort of dines and then just like walks out. <laughs> <laughs> Jotaro's such delinquent. He doesn't even eat the food he like expects to steal. Yeah, although, you know, Josuke also had that same philosophy, right? When they were eating at Tonio's and he's like, if we don't like it, we don't have to pay. We'll just leave. <laughs> that's just that's just influence from his father. Don't don't pay attention to that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying it doesn't dining and dashing doesn't necessarily disqualify him if two Jojo's have done it. I mean, here's the thing, though. Those Jojo's, they didn't really do it in a way that was like I, like all too thiefy. And Fugo was just like, all right, don't the meal. See if I can slip out through here. Yeah, but Fuko was desperate. He had no money. I mean, Jotaro. I mean, this is after bad money. This is after Fugo became a pickpocket, we we expected him to have like what, like twenty bucks to shill out for a meal. Uh, I, I don't know. He's a good. I can't blame him. I can't blame. He's him. a good pickpocket too. Um, besides Fugo, like he was, he maybe he was intending to get caught because he just argued his way out of it anyway. <laughs> I don't know. He seemed like he wasn't uh, doing too hot in that moment. Well, impressed Bucciolati. I mean, that's pretty good. So I guess so. Uh, I'm just. I'm. This is just me. Like you know, Fugo hate list. He failed Popo's lighter test. Um, but they all they all failed Popo's lighter test. <laughs> I mean, sure, but like, imagine imagine that, that moment where he got his stand and he starts realizing why is everyone around me dying. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hmm. That would have been a big problem, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. He is a danger not only to himself. Let's bring that up. His stand can kill him if he's not careful enough. Um, true. Although we saw with Indul and Geb that maybe every stand can kill themselves if they so choose. <laughs> I mean, that was that was Endul like willingly like I, I assume that was the equivalent of him like you know pulling a trigger on himself, right? But yeah. with Fugo, it's literally dropping like hazardous poisonous gas everywhere. It has no direction. He cannot control it, and it can kill him too. Okay, that's true. He <laughs> killing him is not is just sort of a function of the stand. Yes. And it's a fairly short-range stand, so I don't know how he was going to use that very effectively. <laughs> exactly, and think about it like this. A stand that kills the user? When do we see that? Villain stands. Ooh, true. Highway to Hell? Uh, notorious B.I.G.? Hmm. I mean, granted, he yeah. doesn't need to kill himself to use the stand, but he was only able to use it once just because of how dangerous it was. Yeah, and Abakio does say like he hardly ever uses it unless he's like in real trouble. Yes, sure. He realizes that the uh, the potential that Stan has to basically destroy everything, but you know he still doesn't use it like effectively or properly. Sometimes, what do you mean? Sometimes there's only one time we saw him use it. Yeah, I mean that's true. 
Alright? Speaking of such, he could have used it when Bucciarati was running out of that, uh, was running out of the boss. And he could have just sent Purple Haze in there and ended it all right there. You know, so this this comes up a lot, that, like, Purple Haze is sort of a counter to King Crimson, and I'm not sure that it is. No? I mean, you have to know that, like, Diavolo knows all the stands. He does. Right? Because he, he on several occasions uses moody blues to transmit messages yes uh so he knows every person and their stand and their stand ability so if he sees fugo he knows like okay this is the death stand make sure i don't stand next to him and then you know continually use epitaph to figure out the next 10 seconds of his maneuvering um and well you could argue like well then purple haze can just like bash all the blisters on his fist and just fill the whole you know subterranean room with with poison virus um you know it abakio points out the the virus doesn't last that long it's like 30 seconds right around so although that was from the uv light so maybe in the dark it would have worked better see weakened in the light but i don't know i I just feel like someone as thorough as diavolo would have known what his stand was and would have a counter for it somehow i see that i see that let's also not bring up the uh also bring up the fact that uh, when Fugo was left on that small island, he was left there with the boss, and he made it out just fine. What does that imply? I know, I know you're asking. Fugo's yeah, well, Fugo's good, good. What, what, Fugo's good, good with Diavolo. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we knew that. He's he's just so afraid of him that he's unwilling to to stand up to him. So as I was bringing up earlier, he let him kill Narancha. Okay, well... Fugo is uh, responsible for Narancha's death. He's also responsible for Bucciarati's death. Uh, and he is responsible for Bakio's death. Okay, how? How does that one work? All of those were caused by Diavolo, who he could have basically, you know, uh, a purple haze. All of them, right there. Hmm, I don't know. We'll have to... I, I think we're we'll to have to agree to disagree on that. I just don't think that... I think with, with a lot of things... And a lot of JoJo stands, and you know, I see this all the time when people go, "Well, could Dio have beaten Diavolo, and could Jotaro beat Diavolo?" And it always comes down to a sort of a level of like, "Well, who gets to jump on who?" Yeah. Um, who, if you don't know King Crimson's ability, then you can't time stop it at the right moment, right? Mm-hmm. But if Diavolo doesn't really understand Star Platinum, the world's ability, then he can't like, figure out how to counter it, because in his vision, all he sees is Jotaro teleporting, right? Yes. Not freezing time. So, you know, it's a pretty consistent theme for stand battles that it's knowing what the other stand does that kind of determines whether or not you can win. And with foreknowledge of Purple Haze's ability and with Fugo having no knowledge of King Crimson, I just don't think it would be as open and shut as people say it would be. I see, I see what you mean there. I see what you mean there. See, whenever I thought of that situation, I thought he was pulling a, a first chapter Jotaro where he just sends it out inexplicably far without any explanation. Mm. Star Platinum in that first chapter was bringing him like manga, skateboards, just a bunch of stuff that would have been right. <laughs> way too far out of his reach. Yeah, that's an interesting... I've heard people argue about that, and this is probably a whole separate conversation, but um, one theory I thought I read was that Star Platinum wasn't fully formed yet, and so his limitations weren't quite um, in existence. So as long... Like, his 
his stand had like unlimited potential at that point and until basically it it created itself when uh you know he was mucking around with uh, avdol so it was at that point where he thought to himself i want to be a buff aztec man yeah um and i guess if it, it, it follows sort of that same theory that people throw out which is like why was Jotaro able to stop time, which is like Jotaro's actual stand ability is like he can continue to upgrade his stand with whatever he kind of feels like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sort of follows that logic. I'm not sure I'm a giant fan of that. Um, the other version I saw that I kind of liked was that its effective combat range is only two meters, but like it can still exist beyond that. It just can't really attack hit as hard as you would want it to. Yeah. I see. So, like, grabbing something would be, like, within his range, but not really, like, doing any damage. I see that. I see that. I understand. I I agree with that. And I only bring it up because, like, I would normally just say, well, it was his first appearance and Iraqi hadn't really established the rules yet. But he does it again during the Darby fight. (laughs) Remind me again how he does that again during the Darby fight. Because remember, like, all of a sudden, like, he's got a drink. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's like wait how did how did the platinum go over to the bar like well, we've just been talking for like 40 episodes that he, he only go two meters so what's <laughs> up with that platinum order that drink himself right or is this another instance where like jotaro stopped time and he didn't realize he had stopped time i don't know uh jotaro supports underage drinking <laughs> all right what what other uh, points for the prosecution do you have all right panic all right so something you typically see with uh joe bros is that they can usually stand toe to toe with the jojo all right okay gyro um is seen to be very proficient in a fight even against johnny uh we see okiyasu and josuke being pretty all right facing each other even though josuke's mm-hmm. got the advantage just because you know he's not a pile of bricks <laughs> well he's got joe star uh you know joseph joe star's cleverness genes too so i didn't know that could be genes but all right uh, maybe Okiyasu's dad's mush brain just kind of transferred to him. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So we typically see that they're they're pretty all right. Yeah, C- Caesar and Joseph were like you know on equal footing with their ham on abilities. Yeah, and you can't forget that uh, Speedwagon had his uh his hat and his sledgehammer, which yeah. could have beat Dio. Okay, fair fair point. All right, so Purple Haze can't even beat G E R. Well, nothing can beat G-E-R. But just think about it. It can kill anything, right? It can't kill G-E-R. Well, okay, true, but... But it could beat Gold Experience. Well... It didn't... No, it can't. It didn't beat Gold Experience. Jorno made the serum. Yeah, you see? He had no way... He has no way of even, like, proficiently fighting our JoJo. Right? Like, he actually can't win that fight. Okay, fair point. That's a fair point. Right? Uh, also, just a small point of contention, he was a $1.99 DLC in the PS3 game. Oh, so he's not even considered good enough to be part of he's, the main He's cast. not good enough to be considered default roster, no. Oh. You have to, you have to bribe Fugo to come back. Ouch, that is a, that's a, that hurts more than many of your other points. <laughs> Fugo is DLC. Ouch, Fugo, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can help you with that one, buddy. Fugo's, You're DLC, that's rough. Fugo's DLC, he wasn't even part of the main, uh, he wasn't even part of the main, like, God, I can't believe that. I'm still in shock that I paid for that. <laughs> I wasn't not going to pay for that, but it just kind of sucked that I had to. Um. Also, in that same game, he's, like, broken because his attack is unblockable. 
his uh his virus attack is unblockable. Okay, well, I mean, but that that's a point towards me because then he's stronger in the game towards uh being equal with your JoJo, right? I so, mean, but the thing is, you pay two bucks and you get to hit anybody anywhere. Fugo. Uh, yeah. He, oh, he's a pay to win character. Fugo is pay to win. Oh. See, I'm just proving no. my own point. Uh, Fugo, no dignity, man. Fugo oh. has no dignity. All right. He's not even immune to his own stand ability in that game. He, if he walks into the cloud, he gets hurt too. Jeez. Uh, can accidentally kill his friends. He basically costs Jorno a hand. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget, in Eyes of Heaven, if you pair him up with Diavolo fighting against anyone else from Passione, he and Diavolo basically team up and they're like on good terms with each other. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like they make like little witty commentary where Diavolo's, Diavolo's just like, I'm glad you, I've gl- I'm glad you decided to stick with your loyalty. And Fugo is basically just like loyalty overall. Ooh, ouch. Ouch. That's, that's video game canon. So, you know, it's questionable. They've, Rocky said uh, Eyes Over Heaven is like, uh, you know, another part of the multiverse, so it's not the same Fugo. I'm just gonna go ahead and assume it's the same Fugo. Uh. Right, that's that's what I'm saying. All right, in that in Eyes of Heaven, he couldn't. Okay, so what they do is that they they had the Eyes of Heaven tournament before the game was released, and so they right they ahead. had uh, CPU characters fight each other in like a tournament. This is JoJo's only tournament arc, and it wasn't even in the manga; it was in a video game. Hmm. Well, he doesn't like tournament arc, so that makes yes. sense. So he was paired up with Kakioin, Cherry Donut Boy. Uh, and you think to yourself, like, oh, long range stand, uh, you know, close range Fugo, Purple Haze. That should be pretty all right. They should get pretty far. They lost. Mm-hmm. They, they lost to, to Pet Shop and Cars. Ooh. Well, wait, wait a second. <laughs> you can't gloss over the ultimate life form like <laughs> hey, that. Hey, if we're going with like typical manga, like power, like dynamics and stuff. Uh, the rat could beat ultimate cars. Uh, no, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Hold on here. Wait, hold on. Wait, rat a beat Jotaro. Jotaro beat Dio. Dio beat Joseph. Joseph beat cars. Oh, so you're using transitive property. <laughs> I am using transitive property. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, look, that that is an interesting question. Did cars understand microbiology enough to? be able to counteract Purple Haze's virus. And a bird beat him, too. Well, I feel like Pet Shop doesn't even count. I feel like Cars would be like, just sit there, bird. I got this. Alright, point is he couldn't even, he, he couldn't pull through for Donut Boy. It's just Fugo just disappointing once again. Okay, okay fair point. Fair mm-hmm. point. What else you got? What else you uh, got? He's a cheese spy. He's a okay. spy and he's all, you know, cheesy because he's got holes in his suit. Uh, yeah. going referring back to my first term of uh, his yee ass suit. Right. Uh, he was a victim of Iraqi's state of mind. So while he was writing uh, Golden Wind, uh, originally Fudo, Fugo was going to be a traitor. He was going to fight the team later on and or at the point where he uh, decides to leave. But uh, Iraqi was just like, uh, he had a, a shift at that point in his life where he was like, I don't want to make another bad guy. And so he made Fugo just uh, pointless to the story. Well, I don't think he's pointless, but I don't want to ruin my own point. But um, I will also say that that is a point for me because Fugo endeared himself so much to Iraqi that he couldn't bring himself to make him a traitor. I'm just thinking that, you know, cheese representation. You don't want the cheese man to be the bad guy. 
Alright? Uh, he he uh, lost he lost uh, a story arc. He lost a story arc, but I mean Cheese was literally the enemy against Narancia, because that's what Formaggio means. Cheese. <laughs> See, he is Narancia's enemy. That's why he spider sensed it when Narancia got forked a second time. Oh jeez. Okay. I walked into that one. Yes. Fugo, like, he spider-sensed it in the anime version at the very least. He spider-sensed it when Narancia got forked to that second time. And he was like, yeah. he was like, oh, that's, that's my job. Well, I've, uh, I, I believe I've gone through all my points. Uh, do you have any closing statements for the prosecution? Uh, Fugo? Just, uh, yee-ass uh, character? Um, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't approve. I, I don't approve. He's the only member of Passion that I, uh, like the least. All right, very good. So uh, I will now begin my defense of Panicata Fugo and why he should maintain his Joe Bro status. Um, so we got kind of three or four main points, and they have some sub points. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you some chances to counteract my sub points. Um, my first major point is that Fugo demonstrates all of the characteristics required to be a Joe Bro. Um, he does support the JoJo in the story, at least kind of superficially and, you know, during the first part of the story. Mm-hmm. Do, do we call Holly a Joe bro? Huh? Cause she supports Jodoro. Well, she was, she was the objective. So not, I mean, you wouldn't call the redstone of Asia a, a Joe bro. Would you? It's Cause that doesn't have a character. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, Joe, Jojo moms are like on another category altogether. So would, would we call Wham a Joe bro? I think you could make a strong argument that he was. Um, that's actually a very interesting conversation now that you've brought it up. Because without the way that he treated Joseph, Joseph would not have had the, the power to do what he did. Like Joseph got way stronger with his ham on um, and took his life way more seriously because of the creepy wedding ring he stuck in his neck. Um Wamu essentially saw something in Joseph that Joseph didn't even see in himself and sort of challenged him to become better. Mm-hmm. But he's not Jobro. Uh, I mean, maybe that's why he and Caesar were fighting. They were fighting for Jobro positioning. <laughs> fighting for Jobro status? Yeah, it's like, I've determined that you are unworthy, Caesar Zeppeli, of being Jobro. Um, You've not won one battle yet. Obviously he was unworthy. He didn't win that battle either. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So anyway, that's my first point. As weak as it might be, he does support the JoJo of the of the series. <clears throat> um, my second point is that Fugo has speed wagon level of wholesomeness and encouragement, particularly to Narancia. Uh, um, encouragement to Narancia? Wholesome? Yeah, now, look, 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 look. We know he stabbed him with a fork, but before that, it's like two and a half minutes of, like, pep talk. Like, you're doing so well. You've learned to read. You didn't even go to grade school. Like, I know this is difficult for you, but you're really putting in the time, um, you know. And then later on, before Narancia goes to have his big fight with uh, uh, Formaggio, you know, he's going over what he should do. Like, he's giving him tips on how to have a successful, you know, picking up materials mission so he doesn't bring anybody back. Like he's like Naranja's biggest cheerleader, and he only gets angry because he he just cares so much about Naranja's, you know, growth. 
Yeah, so it gets the frustration gets to him. You, you know, I, I knew my favorite teacher was my favorite teacher when he stabbed me in the face with a fork. That's when I knew he really cared. <laughs> you, do you remember that day? I remember that day. Okay, look. The, <laughs> the other part of that, though, is like he literally is the only like encouraging, wholesome character in Passione directly, right? Like, we know Bucciarati is encouraging when he gives like those lovingly mother looks, but like he doesn't outright pep talk people that's that's you know that's bucciarati being a bucciarati okay that's true he's way more effective at it but but still that's that's something to consider is he's very wholesome and encouraging just like speedwagon who i already said is probably the defining uh joe bro he was the first joe bro actually unless we count dio he's he was literally a joe bro that's true (laughs) um Fugo is logical and rational, much like another character, part four Jotaro. You, we, we comparing everyone to Jotaro now? Is that it? Well, I'm just saying, like, he, he's demonstrating, like, calm, collected thought. Jotaro also, in his position, if part four demonstrates calm, collected thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not the primary Jojo in part four. He is essentially a Jobro for part four, right? Kind of, yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to compare... Fugo's position in part five to Jotaro's position in part four. Like, well, you know, there's some comparisons you can make there. Yeah, yeah. I remember when Jotaro stabbed Koichi in the face of the fork. Okay. You can't just counteract <laughs> with the stabbing of the fork thing. The I, man has the man has rage issues. All right, all right. So I remember when he smacked uh, Koichi's face in the table like five times for getting a basic uh, re- reciting something wrong. Okay, look. Multiplying two digit numbers together is not necessarily easy. Oh, okay. I oh I know, I know. I failed math classes. Don't tell me about <laughs> multiplying digits. Um, my next point is that he does the torture dance. Okay, I I, I can't argue on that on that one. <laughs> uh, I mean, he obviously went to rehearsal. He went to rehearsal. He put in the hours, and it and it, you know, it, um, it was beautiful. After all the other times, I like you know, even in his first appearance, he's telling Nista to like, can you cut it out with the number four stuff? Like he's kind of a downer, um, but you know when it came for torture dance time, he's like, okay, I'm gonna do my part. You know, I, he, he had the opportunity that one moment where he's like, I could skip doing this, but he's like, nope, I'm gonna do it. All right, I'm gonna do the dance. I'll admit, I'll admit, he did his part and it turned out beautifully. All right, I can't argue on any point of that. Um, <clears throat> Fugo is the first member of Bucciarati's gang, which should not be overlooked easily. Um, literally, Bucciarati's like, I've been thinking about starting my own little group and you're the exactly the kind of person that I want in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he takes Bucciarati's dream from dream to reality. Um, his position in, in that little group is kind of confusing. Like it, sometimes it seems like he's second in command. Um, but I think he's more like a, a third in command, like tactical get things done guy only because a Bakio sort of fits the second in command position a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it actually, they have to defer to a Bakio when, you know, Fugo is spending all that time telling Narancho what to do. And ultimately, Bakio's like, just relax. It's going to be fine, you know? But, you know, he's still first. That that makes a difference in terms of, like, obviously, if Bucciarati, who we, we all love, saw something great in him, then, you know, there's something great in him. I mean... Bucciarati also thought Doppio was Trish. He was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying we can't be right 100% of the time. You get me? Okay, a fair a fair counterpoint. Um, 
I will also say that perhaps Fugo is maybe the most competent member of Butcherati's game, um, outside of Butcherati himself, of course. Uh, he has all the plans. He has obviously studied how to do his job very well. Uh, I mean, he knows like all the strategies for, for losing somebody in a car. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you telling me that uh, Mista isn't competent? He literally jumped out of a window for his, uh, for his, uh, you know, his leader. Uh, and who was un- Mista is all heart, all heart, no skill. But who was who was on the bottom of that building that got hit in that car? Who was the the dummy sitting in that car? That's right. Maybe Fuga was catching him. That shows his competence. Catching him with a car by having him hit the it metal worked. roof of the metal roof of a car. Well, what was he gonna catch him with? Uh, I don't know. Purple haze. Oh yeah, that would have worked great. <laughs> Break those, break those little uh, blisters right when he catches them. I mean, he could have had his hands open. Okay. Well, my point is, I think he he's definitely the most competent. He's definitely the most educated. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna counter that point where Fugo's the uh, first to uh, enter Bucci, enter Bucci's gang by quoting a, a five year old. Uh, first is the worst. <laughs> That's right. But I mean, without without him being there, he would have never recruited Narancha. But Narancha also wouldn't have gotten stabbed. Sorry, just had to bring it up. Okay, well, I mean, Narancha probably would have died on the street had Fugo not brought him in, right? Because he was dying of that eye infection. He was. He was. So you may you might be able to argue that he caused Narancha's death, but he also prevented it in the first place, so he could die later. So he was just saving Narancha's death. I I don't I don't know. I guess you've um, backed yourself into a corner. I did. Uh, I, it's a good thing my my next big point is much stronger, but my last minor point is that he literally gives up his shirt <laughs> to another character that he just met. The shirt off his back. Literally takes the shirt off his back. I but, mean, have you? How many other Joe Bros have done that? Let's let's consider the uh, condition of that shirt. Why don't we? <laughs> but it was all all Trish wanted to do was like dry her hands off. <laughs> <laughs> it was such like a power move by Trish, but. You know, so, Fugo didn't think twice about so it. He's like, us, all right, I'm just going to stand here with my tie on and my no shirt. So you're telling us Fugo is completely subordinate. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Joe Bros aren't exactly subordinate. There's Koichi is pretty subordinate. Koichi is Koichi. All right. <laughs> I'm going to love him either way. I mean, I mean um, you could make some you could make a few personality connections between Kakuin and Fugo in that same kind of vein, right? Like, well, no, because Kakuin did like have to do the whole baby stand thing and everyone thought he was crazy. Yeah. Where, where was Fugo's arc? Except Purple Haze feedback. <sighs> okay, okay, okay. Alright, then I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the bombshell. You ready for this? Alright, all right, let's hear it. I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited <laughs> even. Alright, this, this is my strongest attack and then I have one minor attack to follow this. Okay. The theme of Vento Oreo is self-acceptance and conquering yourself. Um, this is not an opinion. This is, I think, a fact, and I can prove it. Look at the villain. The villain is literally someone who could not accept himself so much that he split into two people. Mm-hmm. He couldn't accept his his daughter. He couldn't accept, like, having a past uh, to the point where it literally split him apart and then ended up with him in an endless death cycle. Every other character has some sort of arc regarding um, self-acceptance, including Trish. Like, Trish starts off as sort of a aloof, kind of bratty girl who then accidentally finds out she has a stand and then has a whole stand battle where she's 
coming to terms with it. And by the time that she gets to the end of the arc, she's actually a fairly competent stand user, participates in the battle against Diavolo. You know, there's growth, character growth. Mm-hmm. Um, each member of the gang is on a different level of that quest. So Bucciarati at this point has already done the work. He has already completely understood himself. He accepts who he is. He's conquered his demons. Um, and when you can see that with him from a young age when he chooses to stay with his father over his mother because he knows his father is going to need more help. Like Bucciarati has done the work and he's the oldest member and he's the leader and he doesn't grow a whole lot in this story because he's already done it. Um, the next level down, I think, is Mista because he's a simple dude. He just wants to live a quiet life like like Kira. He's um, uh, his spiritual dad. He doesn't want anything. He just like found a place to hang out and like, you know, Bucciarati um, essentially adopted him. He's like, yeah, this works. This is fine. He had nowhere really to grow. Uh, Mista's not a deep thinker. He just like, hey, if Bucciarati's going to do it, he's probably going to win. We're going to be rich. I'm going to be a capo. Like, he's a simple guy. Um, and so there's not a lot of character growth needed for him to accept himself. He's he's just kind of is. Um, beyond, next level is Abakio, who well accepted himself, but just had one very serious and major issue that was sort of haunting him all the time um, with his actions that caused the death of his partner and how, but the rest of the time he's not really fighting with himself about that. He, he knows he's the detective. He's the second in command. He's the, um, the mistrusting one, the cynical one, the the one to try to like calm Bucciarati's hopeful heart down a little bit. Like maybe we shouldn't trust Giorno right away kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we do see Abakio's arc concludes when he dies performing his very thorough investigation. He doesn't chicken out. He doesn't take a, a shortcut. And, uh, you know, his the, the ghost of his partner forgives him and says, you've done well. It's time to move on. Um, Narancha's theme or growth, I mean, Narancha is the most immature character of the entire group, even though he's older than several of them. Uh, he's the most little kiddish. He has very little self-restraint. He's laughing at people and, you know, one second and pulling a knife on them and the next second... His stand is all about massive destruction and and raining down death. Um, But we see him reach his self-acceptance arc right before he dies when he says, you know, I'm going to go back to school. I don't care how many, you know, how bad people make fun of me. Um, I'm going to do what's best for me and finally listen to Bucciarati and finally do the smart thing with my life. Of course, he gets forked, as you've mentioned several times. Um, (laughs) But we get to see his growth from that point. And, you know, that's a pretty far character arc um and Giorno Giorno's growth is is tricky because you don't see himself really coming to terms with himself that much but it's sort of a dramatic irony type of growth because we know that he's half Jonathan half Dio and we know that his actions are sort of struggling to find himself like where does he fit in this Joestar destiny is he good is he bad you know it turns out he's sort of both um you know using Dio-like methods to accomplish Jonathan-like goals. So we get to see all of that arc. Bugo, though, has the farthest to go. Um, and we we talked about this in the last episode. You know, small trigger warning. We're going to talk about his backstory, especially the anime backstory. We talked about he had a really strict family. He had a lot of heavy expectations. And he goes to college and gets sexually abused. And, uh, you know, he's never had the chance to 
to deal with that rage. And it's that duplicity and rage that defines Fugo's character entirely. Uh, he's very sweet and wholesome to Narancho one moment, and he's stabbing him with a fork. Uh, it's even demonstrated in his stand, not only in its ability to like be self-destructive, because that rage is so fueling, he it's hurting himself as much as it is hurting other people, but also like the, the contradiction of Purple Haze itself. It drools on its own leg and then like is a neat freak about it. And then he drools on himself some more. Like his own stand is at war with himself. And for a neat freak stand, like it also is causing horrifying bloody deaths of birds falling from the sky. Like it's just Fugo's entire theme is about, um, you know, he's destroying himself with this issue that he hasn't been able to sort out. And it's really just not his fault because he gets to the point where Bucciarati is ready to betray the boss. And the order that they go in to the boat is essentially the order that they are ready to self-accept. I mean, Abakio goes first because he knows that this is the path for his redemption. Mista goes because he ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> Giorno goes because it's partly his idea. And then who's the last one? Narancia. And it's like at the very last second. And Narancia had the furthest, the second furthest distance to go to accepting himself. You could argue Fuga was so much further behind than Narancia that he just wasn't emotionally or psychologically ready to take such a bold stand. And I mean, think about Fugo's personality. He's logical. He likes structure. He was good at school, so he's really probably more prone to following the rules and following, you know, the the organization. He doesn't want to to break rank because when someone else broke rules, it hurt him a lot. Um, he's probably very scared because he has no you know, support. And as much as he loves Bucciarati, like it's too big of a risk for him con considering all of the, the duplicity inside of him, the rage and the fear and like his desire to be better than that. And I think Fugo is the perfect person and perfect character to demonstrate this theme um, of that when you don't address the issues of yourself, you don't get to move forward as much as you might want to. And it's always going to hold you back. And, you know, others are going to go on and maybe they'll die or maybe they'll accomplish their dreams or maybe, you know, they'll help others along the way. But you will always be stuck because you didn't deal with the things you had to deal with. And so because of that, Fugo is the ultimate Joe bro because he stands there to demonstrate and to serve as contrast for the growth of all of the other excellent characters in Bucciarati's gang. That concludes my most powerful attack. KO! <laughs> wow. Got real uh, analysis-y here. I had to, I have to, it's be, I have this argument with people on Reddit all the time. I'm like, Fugo's not that bad because of this aspect. He demonstrates the theme, you know, just like everyone else does. I feel like part five is very unique in that it has an extremely strong theme. Um, I haven't gotten through six, seven, or eight yet, but, you know, four and three, like, there's just not as strong of, like, a literary theme to it. Um, and I think Iraqi did some of his best writing work in this in this part, both in demonstrating through the, the variety of characters and their personalities and their actions and, you know, how their stands really related to their personalities 
Like it's really strong theme and symbolism work. All right. That was really good. You said you had a smaller point after that? Oh, yes. This is my final small point. Um, right before he dies, Narancia says, I'd like to see Fugo again. And if he can forgive him, then so can you. Going to make a, a trigger warning. Little, I'm going to say a little trigger warning thing right here. Because what I'm going to say, despite it being a joke, uh, can be very triggering. You know who also forgives people who hurt them? Mm. Abuse victims. Uh, I'm so sorry, audience. That's why I had to put the trigger warning. I just, I need to win. I have been having a bad week. <laughs> okay, so um, it's it's jury time, listeners. Weigh in. Should Panacotta Fugo be stripped of his Joe Bro status? Tweet at us. Send us an email. DM us. Send us a message on Reddit. Tell us what you think. Um, in or out. Please validate me. You know what's something that will not ever be on trial? What's that? The meme of the week. Oh, the meme of the week. I said that really odd. I'm so sorry. I like it. I like it. No, it was good. Um, I gotta tell you something. I had a hard time this week. Yeah, yeah, me too, honestly. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, you know requiem memes going around of course of course which which i understand um a lot of like part six never memes Mm. um you know and i just i was sort of underwhelmed the last week about uh kind of the meme qualities that i've seen it's been hard but i did find one that i like well okay i mean i remember what the uh i remember what the meme is i just can't remember who the user was it had something to do with over heaven because this is an eyes over heaven meme. Oh, um, and it's it starts with uh, Giorno and Mista. Uh, like, oh, here it is. Okay, so it's a uh, user. So on 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 shit post crusaders you slash over heaven white and it says Mista. Okay, Giorno, we're gonna do our cool intro pose now. Don't make it look gay. And Giorno says, I got it. And then of course he does that that pose where he's cradling Mista and like holding his hand with the gun <laughs> and just you know zooms in on Mista's face like bruh um my that's really great uh my meme of the week actually helped influence some of my points in this argument uh oh this is by instagram user it's dot jojolicious that's it's dot j-o-j-o-l-i-c-i-o-u-s uh it shows uh fugo stabbing narancia and it says fugo's fork and it shows Narancia in Giorno's body being stabbed on the uh, metal grate. And it says Fugo's Fort uh, Requiem. <laughs> <laughs> um, only thing is that the user didn't spell Requiem White. Uh, so it says R-E-Q-U-I-R-E-M. <laughs> oh. Requiem. Well, and, uh, I mean, when nobody said JoJo fans were good spellers. This is the third time I've seen a JoJo meme and it's been misspelled. And there's a comment that says, why can't anyone in the JoJo community spell yeah, well, that's just the internet at large, I think. Um, there is one more meme I want to uh, briefly shout out to, and I almost picked this as my meme of the week, but I couldn't find uh, the, the link. But it's a it's a video meme, and it's a long one where it's just showing uh, the the battle with um, uh, part three against uh, Arabia Fats and the Sun, mm-hmm. and it's the part where everybody's starting to laugh, and Joseph's like, "Oh no, they're all losing their minds, right?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes on and on. I mean, it's just. I'm watching it. And I'm like, it's just, this is just the scene. Like they haven't changed the subtitles. There's nothing going on. 
and it keeps going and going. And then, you know, uh, Kakuin finally goes, sorry, Mr. Joestar, you see that rock? And then it's Angelo. (laughs) (laughs) I know Angelo memes are like way oversaturated right now, but I love every one of them. I can't, I can't help it. Just was Josuke there too? Like, yo, Angelo. No, but they did. They 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 play. They did splice in uh, Angela going. <laughs> can I add in? Can I add in uh, uh, a, a bonus one. meme of the week this week? Then I have one set up right here. I don't hear it. Oh yeah, go for it. Go All for right, it. so this is by the same user. It's Jojo Licious, and it shows um, Narancia, Fugo, and Mista uh, in the middle of the torture dance. But uh, when you see the head, it's Diavolo. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah the 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 death number whatever whatever those memes are pretty good I like those I just thought it was really creative because I hadn't thought of that and uh, he looks promptly miserable as he should as <laughs> as he should all right bring us in the outro buddy all right well uh, that has been this week's episode of No Dignity if you'd like to message us you can email us at no dignity podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us uh, a message on anchor.fm and maybe even be featured in the uh, show itself. Uh, we have a Twitter at no dignity pod. We have Instagram at no dignity podcast. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with me, um, I'm Alejandro. You can find me at a squid V on Instagram, uh, a squid, a squid V on Twitter. Uh, and my YouTube channel, A Squid TV. I know, bring up the T, real unique. <laughs> um, you can also uh, hang out with uh, the Reddit account, which is you uh, slash No Dignity Podcast. You can maybe upvote some of my memes because the last three I've done haven't done so well. I had really strong success once, and now I'm just chasing that dragon, man. Um, <laughs> Dragon's dream. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> For uh, other stuff that I do, you can go to Silhouette Zero. It's just my Star Wars uh, RPG actual play podcast. The episode with Alex is up and edited, and it's it's good fun. So you can go check that out and watch us play uh, JoJo uh, RPG game. That's all at Sil Zero Chris S I L Z E R O. Um, and I think that's it. But before we go, did you hear that Koichi goes into Chinese restaurants to steal soy sauce packets? Really? No dignity. To be continued.